welcome to the First Baptist Victoria podcast. Today's sermon was recorded live Sunday, June 25th, 2023 by Pastor Ben Rosenberger. Malachi chapter 2, 10 verse 16. Did I tell y'all Malachi gets rough? <laughs> I think the very first two sermons were as easy as it gets. Because from here on out, it gets a little rough. And trust me, as a pastor, 2023, I'm like, oh, man, this could be seen so many ways. That being said, here we go. We are in dispute number three. God says essentially this. I'm boiling this down. God says, you've turned against me and your wives. Hear what I just said? You've turned against me, and you turned against your wives, and he's bringing up covenant. That's what God holds against them. Israel says, what? How? God responds by the toxic combination of adultery and divorce taking place, abandoning covenants. This is not an easy conversation as a pastor. I know there are so many people who have been through divorce, please know I'm not trying to preach a sermon on every aspect of every different person's individual situation that I wasn't a part of counseling, okay? I'm just generically having a discussion based on what Malachi says towards Israel. That's what we're looking at today. So, Israelite men marrying non-Israelite women And then adopting the worship of their wives, ancient God, sorry, ancestral gods, into their homes. In Nehemiah chapter 13, we hear all about men divorcing their wives for no good reason. And Malachi is pointing to the betrayal of their covenant with God. God sees your covenant, it matters. He's made a covenant with us. And as God's people, our covenant matters. Okay? Again, I want to be real clear. I am not talking about anyone's individual specific situation that I am not here counseling nor preaching at. I'm discussing what God is saying. All of us should have a high standard in regards to his covenant he made towards us and God's covenant towards our commitments. And we're going to get there That being said, let's open up to Malachi chapter 2, verses 10 through 16. Let's get in the Word. I am much safer just preaching the Word of God. Here we go. We are not doing verse 17. You'll notice in your Bible that that would seem make sense for me to go into 17, but it doesn't make sense because it actually leads into the next discussion. Malachi chapter 2, verse 10 through 16 says this, have we not all one father? Has not one God created us? Why then are we faithless to one another, profaning the covenant of our father? Judas has been faithless, an abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem for Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves and has married the daughter of a foreign God. May the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob any descendant of the man who does this. 
who brings an offering to the Lord of hosts. Remember the whole, I, I tried to spell out for you guys, Lord of hosts, Lord of hosts, Lord of hosts. We need to have reverence as we study the Malachi. God is saying, I am the Lord of hosts. Fear me. I could, right now, done. And he's, he's just reminding us of this. And he's saying, who brings an offering to the Lord of hosts? And that's your offering? And that's what he's saying. Verse 13. And this second thing you do, you cover the Lord's altar with tears and weeping and groaning because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. There's an acknowledgement that you're not listening, God. He goes on, verse 14, but you say, why does he not? Because the Lord was witness between you and your wife of your youth, to whom you have been faithless, though she is your companion and your wife by covenant. Did he not make them one with a portion of the spirit in their union? I just want to say that again. Did he not make them one with a portion of the spirit in their union? And what was the one God seeking? Godly offspring. That says something about parenting, KFC, children being here, and it mattering, and it being important. Would it, if anyone was complaining about the fact that we had a lot of kids here, why? Bring them, Lord. Bring him, Jesus. <laughs> Godly offspring. So guard yourself in your spirit. Guard yourself in your spirit and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. I'm going to pause there. I'm going to preach today. It's going to get rough several times through this sermon. Truth is, I'm standing before people you know what's going on in your heart. You know the adultery that's going on in your heart. You know the mistakes you've made, mistakes you haven't made, things you want to do, people you're flirting with, messages, text messages. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm not God. But you know. Okay? And God is saying, you come and you shed tears, saying, God, where are you? I don't know, we just sang a song about God's presence. I don't know about you, I, I'm in it for God's presence more than I am anyone's approval, anything else. But I have an experience with God and I've had many experiences with God where I feel his presence and it's thick and it's real. And I would walk through walls, I will go to the ends of the world to be around that presence of God. It's better than anything, it's what I was created to do. And I, I already know that. Like I would, whatever, God, I just want to be actually in your presence because it's, it's what I know is real, okay? My point is, he's saying, people are weeping, where are you, God? And I think a lot of times, God's presence is not with us because God knows the unfaithfulness. He knows the hearts, Okay? And I just want to acknowledge, I mean, I'm just reading to you scripture 
So guard yourself in your spirit and let none of you be faithless to your wife of your youth. And that applies to women too, guys. It's not just a one-way standard here. But God has a thing that we should see as beautiful, even though our country wants to not see it as beautiful, as God calls men out first. He does. He addresses us to lead our families. Okay? Just telling you the way it is. He starts with you. Where are you at? Where are you at in your heart? Could that be named among you? So guard yourself in your spirit. What's the answer? So guard yourself in your spirit so that you're not what he's accusing Israel of. And of you, be faithless to your wife of your youth. Guard your heart. Be careful. I don't, again, sometimes one of the reasons I separate from saying I'm Baptist is I'm a disciple. One of the reasons is Baptists are weird about spiritual stuff, and I am very spiritual. There are demons, and there is Satan, and they are real. And it's all around us. It's in this church. It's all around us. I feel the spirit of God in this place. I also know Satan has a foothold in many hearts. I find many times I'm talking to somebody, and the issue is not whatever we're talking about. It's a spiritual thing. It's a foothold. And I can't solve that problem because you got to go to God Almighty and say, help me. Let me just be honest about this specific verse and passage. There's some footholds. You think what you want is just another person. Let me say an old adage. The grass is not always greener on the other side. One. Two. There's a lot more people that are affected by that decision. And the decision's already being made. Sometimes we just got to wake up. What matters most? What matters most? Your integrity for your kids matters more than anything. I meant what I just said. Your integrity for your kids, because everything else you're going to say matters on who they're listening to. Are you a person they can listen to? Why would they listen to anything else out your mouth? Integrity matters in every way. So I, I know that the presence is thick right now. I didn't write this. Malachi wrote this. And this is what he's addressing. And I love that my God cares that much. Because you know what? We're, it's not 2023 where a lot of women work. Let's just be honest. When you abandon your wife and your family in this time, in this culture, you're leading them down a road of they, they have nowhere else to turn but other things. We could go deeper there if we need to. This is a different culture than 2023 where women have their jobs, men have their job, and they can figure it out. It's a whole different culture. So God is disgusted by men who would throw their families to the wolves because of lust. Okay? God takes his commitment very serious, and he's asking us to take our commitments very serious. Because when you got married, let me just be frank, God was present. He was part of that marriage. In fact, the covenant, 
the I do was to him. That being said, I understand there's so many people, I'm not addressing every person's situation. I'm just addressing God's heart towards the matter. And every different situation has another situation that could have you know, happened. Somebody could have helped, or maybe this person couldn't be saved, or this person would not change. I'm not addressing every single marriage item. I'm simply communicating God's heart about the matter. It matters to him. So if you're in a marriage now and you've been divorced, I'm speaking to you on the lines of your marriage right now. I have nothing to do with the past. I can't do anything about the past. Right now, I'm speaking to you God's heart towards your marriage. Okay? All right. Verse 16. For the man who does not love his wife but divorces her, says the Lord... The God of Israel covers his garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. So guard yourself in your spirit and do not be faithless. Folks, that's God's word. All right, let's talk about this. It's always good to begin where I think Malachi is beginning. A reminder of our last time together. We saw a harsh word towards the priests. And it's continuing. Okay, I know, where, I know where God's blaming starts. And it's amongst people he's called to lead. And them not leading. Malachi 2, verses 8 through 9. We are just, just read 10 through 16. So these are the verses right before this. It says, but you have turned aside from the way. You have caused many to stumble by your instruction. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi. You have corrupted the people of Levi who are supposed to be priests. Says the Lord of hosts. And so I make you despised and abased before all the people. Inasmuch as you do not keep the ways, but show partiality in your instruction. What's partiality? You know, that's a funny word. It's like, if you give enough here, I'll, I'll forgive this. I'm, it's not just God's word is the standard. It's depending on who you are. How much do you mean to the temple? How much do you mean to my life? How mu- That's partiality. Partiality is, it's not just God's word speaks. That's it, period. It's other things. And that is not, and I said it last week, I'll say it again, that is not the job of a pastor or priest. Our job is unpartiality. Here's God's word. I don't know what's going on in your home. Some of you do, some of you, some of you don't. But here's God's word. Take it. Digest it for yourself. Obey him. <laughs> so, the reality is this. The failure of anointed leaders of God to lead God's people leads to much more destruction. Much more destruction. Here we go. Number one, we see the rejection of God's morality. There's confusion because God's people who should stand firm on what God's word says are like, we're not sure. Read God's word for what it is. Just read it. Digest it. 
If he calls it sin, he calls it sin. If he says it's not sin, it's not sin. But read it. There are some gray stuff, but there's very few gray things in the Bible. God's word is quite clear on some of the issues in our culture. It just is. It just is. And I'm not calling you, I'm saying we, pastors, have got this confused. So let's be honest, what is morality in our society? What's the standard? Where do we turn for what morality is? Right now, we don't know whatever the majority think. Apparently, that's morality. That's what our culture's producing. I don't know about you, but I'm not okay with certain things that just majority say are okay. I'm not okay with it because everything in my fiber says that is wrong. There are bad people with bad motives getting allowed to do a lot of bad things because we're tolerant. My job is not to be tolerant. My job is to proclaim truth. Where do we go with morality? I believe, I don't, you don't have to agree, okay? I just believe in the Bible. I believe this is where morality starts. A holy God who his number one attribute is holiness, who tells us what it looks like to follow him, what he stands for, what he doesn't stand for. Look at societies without God. Have you traveled the world? It's quite bleak when there's no morality and there's no standard and there's nowhere to turn to get justice because it doesn't matter. Well, that starts with leaders, not just pastors. I'm saying deacons, Sunday school teachers. If you preach, you have the audacity to take on the role of teaching to people God's word. Morality matters. And we should not do that lightly. The Bible's very clear. Not everyone should presume this position that I hold. Not every person should presume the position of teacher is what the Bible teaches. Because you'll be judged more strictly. Because you know better. You know better. So we should be better. We should stand for something. Stand. Teach the truth. Don't worry about reactions and opinions. Already know. Your, your, your Savior was crucified. What might they do to you? We already know that going in, right? Why are we trying to escape the inevitable? You're going to be hated for standing for something. But there's a lot of people that need truth. It's not your truth. It's his truth. And that's what needs to be proclaimed. So, there's none is the answer. What is the standard? The answer is whatever an individual thinks is right is right. Let's look at scripture about this. Judges chapter 21, verse 25. I mean, Judges is amazing. You got Deborah in there. <laughs> no man would step up. Deborah took over. <laughs> cool story. Samson, a supernatural Marvel kind of figure that would not listen to God, showing us that even if you were like a Marvel superhero, you still may not listen to God because you don't care. <laughs> like, and 
Judges 21, 25 says, in those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Is that not our society? Everyone does what is right in their own eyes. Where's the standard? Where is the standard for morality is my question. Right now, it's aimless. We're all going nowhere. We call out every kind of standard there might be. So that just means everyone is doing whatever they want. And whatever the majority thinks is the majority wins. And the majority will lead you right off a cliff. Proverbs 21.2 says this, Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. We're all right, right? Our decisions, we're always right. God says, I know your heart. Your heart is a big factor as to whether you're right or not. If your heart is actually in other motives, your decisions are skewed by other alternative motives. And God calls it out. We may be right in our own eyes, but God knows the truth. Stop living for people. Start living for what's right. God, in your heart, he knows it. This is how a country begins to have people literally celebrate, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be political. To me, this is not political. Abortion. Put on shirts saying, be like us. Clap as abortion in some places becomes closer and closer to the time of inception. Let me tell you what no one tells you. Many people are wounded deeply for lifetimes, for, sorry, lifetimes by such decisions. Their entire life, they're wounded. And someone chose to ignore their God-given sorrow and turns it into shouting for others to join in to keep convincing themselves that this is okay instead of facing their actions. This is in no way to say that God doesn't forgive such decisions, but we can't call ungodly acts godly. So I went there. I went there today. I've sat on two boards of two maternity homes. This country makes adopting so expensive. I met one person just two weeks ago that spent $100,000 to adopt a child. Abortion is free. $100,000 to adopt a child? You tell me that's right. You tell me that's righteous. That doesn't make any sense. Okay? It's not right. There's other solutions if we actually tried we could look into it. There are a lot of people who don't have children. There are a lot of people that would have children if they didn't have to spend $100,000. We could find other maneuvers, other ways, but we don't. And I, I meant what I said. When I see people put on shirts, basically saying encouraging people to do this, that's, dis that's just disgusting. It's a seared conscience. You've convinced yourself that what you've done is okay. So now you must convince others to do it to feel good about yourself. That is wrong. It's just wrong. We, 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 we have politicians that act like we're stupid. It's killing a baby. Let's just be clear. 
okay? I understand there's one really random 1% of rape victims, all that. I get that. But we just okay all of it. It doesn't, it just doesn't make sense. And what I want to say to you, nobody may ever say this. Go read Jeremiah 19. Go read around Jeremiah. What was the one, number one thing God was mad about when he put them into captivity? You know what it was? Child sacrifice. The number one thing when God said, I'm done with this. Child sacrifice. God said, that's abominable. And my people are entering into that? They're doing that to appease another God? That's what led to captivity. Read it. Jeremiah addresses it. That it got so bad, it got so disgusting, and in God's view, that we would just allow abominations to happen and act like it's okay. Well, that's how I feel about my country right now. We just act like it's okay. It's not okay. Take me to prison, you know, fire me, I don't care. It's not okay. I have two blessings. I could not have children for a lot of years. And then somehow God opened up my wife's womb and we have two children. And I look at them as miracles. Okay? Because I thought we would be adopting. And I was looking at the cost of adoption. And it was nuts. And I was like, I don't even make this much. (laughs) And I'm going to have to adopt a child for the same amount that I make? It doesn't make sense. And it's it's so easy to figure out another way. But we don't do it. Why? Because Satan's real, demons are existing, and they're in power. That's how I see it. You don't have to see it that way. That's how I see it. Okay? So I say that to you. All right. We're going to lose some people in church. I know. I already know. All right. Here we go. (laughs) Number two. Then we see a cowardlessness to stand upright when the world begins to sway God's people and worldliness. So just to remind you what we're talking about, the failure of anointed leaders of God lead God's people to, leads them to much more destruction. So the second thing I'm bringing up is then we see a cowardness to stand upright when the world begins to sway. God's people into worldliness. It's so confusing right now. What is worldliness? What is godliness? And in Christian culture, sometimes it's just the same thing. Let me tell you just from my heart, when's the last time you said, thank you, God, that I'm set apart? All of Israel, what is the whole story of Israel about? You're set apart. You're my people. You're a holy priesthood. You're different. I understand it's great that they're different and God blessed them and God did some great things, but I'm not focused on the blessing right now. I'm focused on the fact that God called them to be separate. Do we identify as Christians? Are we afraid to say we're Christians? What does that even mean nowadays? Let me tell you something. You are called to be set apart. You're not supposed to belong. You're not supposed to be worldly. They're supposed to be, at times, conviction, which is great. Thank God that we still have conviction as Christians. That means the Holy Spirit's in us. When God stops convicting you, something's wrong. Your relationship with God is like God doesn't care anymore. Read Romans 1. Conviction is of God. He cares enough about you to get involved and to say, stop. 
I've called you for something higher. I've called you to be something different. And as God's people, when do we say, thank you, God? Because I am different. I don't belong. I don't fit in. And I'm okay with that. I'm supposed to be yours. Did you hear what I just said? I'm supposed to be yours. Amen? Church, that's who we're supposed to be. And so what happens when priests stop focusing on preaching truth and true instruction and partiality moves in, there's a cowardliness. There's cowardly people. And that turns into confusion so quick. It turns into what's right, what's wrong. We don't know. We are living in a country of what's right, what's wrong. I could go meet with five different pastors and they'd have a five different conversations about something as simple as the Bible says this. Why is there five different conversations about something clear? Because there's a lot of cowardliness. People are ashamed of what the Bible preached. I, I'm, I'm different than some people. I would rather not believe in God than to believe something that's not true. I would rather not be a Christian. I don't want to be a Christian if I have to like make God's word relevant. I don't want to be a, I definitely don't want to be a pastor if I have to make God's word relevant. It's either true or it's not. I'm giving it my all. I'm going to eternity. My future hope is an eternity. It's not here. I'm not living for here. I'm living for there. So it's all going to be right because I'm putting my hope in this. I'm putting my faith in this. That's how I see it. Either he's right or he's wrong. And I'm not going to apologize for God because he's got, he's got to stand on his own feet. And he has. And he has, he has stood his test of time for me. So I'm an all-in guy. I believe. You don't have to. I just do. Okay? So folks, I say that to you. One of the things I think is funny is right now we have some splits in denominations. I don't, that's not like a secret. Methodists are imploding right now. The Methodist denomination. And it has to do with homosexuality. It has to do with some other things too. That's the biggest catalyst as to why. And I, what I want you to know is, do you know who started the, the Methodist church? What was his name? John Wesley. Do you know that John Wesley started the Holy Club? The earliest thing, you know, Justin is, he's in seminary, he's starting to learn. You're gonna get Gonzalez's book, and the first thing you're gonna learn about Wesley is he's, he started the Holy Club. He was so zealous for righteousness. That is where he came from. He came from zealousness for righteousness. That was, he started the Holy, Holy Club. It was his big thing. That's what he was known for. They, they don't follow anything that he founded. That, that, it, they just don't. He was zealous for righteousness. He was zealous for the word of God. He's one of the pastors you read. He's one of my favorites. Jonathan Edwards, I love looking at Spurgeon, and I love looking at John, uh, John Wesley. They love God, and I can read it in their pages. I can read the passion for God. I love actually reading old sermons more than I do anything new. There's a zealousness. He was zealous for righteousness. And so I see this cowardly bending of knee to society in that denomination, and I think that is not 
That is not John Calvin. Sorry, John Wesley. That is not him. This is something different. And it just makes it complicated. So, they were known for fasting, weekly communion, a commitment to evangelism. Even the most, the most lost among us they would evangelize to and systematically bring in all of their lives under the most strict, strictness of views. So it seems obvious for me to say the Methodist church changing in regards to their views, sin, morality, is in no way how John Wesley viewed morality. So I just want to use that as an example. This is not bashing other denominations. I don't even claim to be a Baptist. I'm just a disciple. I'm just talking about God's word, okay? All my, all my degrees come from Baptist circles, but I, I, I'm a disciple. That's who I am, okay? Let me be real clear in identifying who I am. Number three, last thing, and we'll move on. We begin to see a famine of the word of God as well as, as the discernment to know the difference between a word from God and a messenger with ulterior motives. When people don't stand by God's word and they start shifting and changing, you can't tell the difference. Because it becomes a word from God and it becomes something utterly different. There's no contextual conversation. It's about a verse that makes people feel a certain way. And you could do that all day long. You could, you could build mega churches by just finding a verse saying what you think it would inspire people to say. But if you read the context of that verse, it's probably not saying that. It's just found out of context. My point to you is this. You need to know the difference between the word of God and a messenger with ulterior motives. What's the motives? What's the purpose of a person you're choosing to listen to scripture from? What is their motive? And that is extremely important because that is everything about what, why a person goes about what they're doing. And so, all of this gives rise to false teachers. We have a lot of false teachers in this country. And if you pay attention to China, China has done a way, they have an underground church that is incredible. I mean, if you research it and learn about how God moves in persecuted places, it's unbelievable. But they have like, if you were to go identify the top churches in China, they're all false teachers owned by China. They do whatever China allows them to do, which means nothing is truthfully said. Me, he says it himself, I'm God. How can you be in alliance with a, a, a dictator who says they're God? <laughs> right? How? So things, listen, things will get challenging. False teachers will come. What's the motives? Every single person's, any teacher, Sunday school, pastor, whoever, what is their motive? What is their motive? And that dictates the direction they're gonna lead you. And you need, you need to pick up on that. Because there is a difference between a person who's just gonna preach and a person who's gonna bring a word of God to you. Here's what God's word says. That's actually what this role is. Here's what God's word says. So Jeremiah 23, 16 says this. Thus says the Lord of hosts, do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you, fulfilling you with vain hopes. They speak visions of their own minds, not from the mouth 
of the Lord. There should be more time praying than prepping for a sermon. What are you saying, God? Is this what you're saying? Is this how you've called me to communicate? What does this mean for my people? Because I may preach totally different on a text here versus if I'm with students, whether I'm at another church. It's a different group of people that you're preaching to. And I don't know, so I need God to say, this is what I've asked you to say. You see here, visions of their own minds filled you with vain hopes. Jeremiah is fighting a group of prophets that they are literally have Nebuchadnezzar on their doors. They are defeated. They're done. And, and he's, Jeremiah is standing before the council of the kings and is like, we're done. Accept it. And all these false prophets are like, that is not what God said. And you know what the king listens to? You know what the leaders in Israel want to listen to? Whatever the false prophets say because it sounds better for them. And so the spokesperson, Jeremiah, read his story. He's got to go in the barricades. He's got to get shacked up. He's got to, and, and he has this moment. It's one of the most amazing verses in scripture that I just always go to when I feel like, I don't want to say this, God. Where he says, in my bones, I feel what you want me to say. I don't want to say it. I don't, I'm tired of suffering. I don't want to keep suffering, but I know in my bones, I can't not. I can't not because this is exactly what I was created for. And Jeremiah has a moment where he says that. And I, I, in this moment, here he is battling these people who are telling them exactly what they want to hear. And Jeremiah is trying to set them up. We have been defeated. We are going to captivity. There is hope. It's going to be a 70-year period, and God's going to rebuild us. He has all the good with the bad. But nobody wants to deal with the bad. But he's there to say, this is what God has said. We need to accept it. Take it. Take it. Just receive it. And they didn't want to receive it. So I say that to you. 1 John 4, 1 says this, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Whoever you're listening to and believing in, they are liable to be a false teacher. Get to the bottom of the ulterior motives and you'll know whether a person really wants to pursue God or not. That being said, three things are brought up in this text that we have to discuss. Verse 10, faithlessness to each other. Faithlessness to each other. Widespread dishonesty, lack of trust due to so much broken faith. So an honest question to you I want to ask. I, I don't mean to get political, but I guess I am. Do you trust our politicians, our media nowadays, pharmaceuticals, doctors, even religious leaders? We never did big business or celebrities. We could have talked about all sorts of things. My question is, do you, do you feel lied to? Do you feel lied to a lot? My, my point of saying this to you is, God is addressing something, faithlessness to each other. Leaders lead. There should not be falsehood from leaders. But what he's addressing in the community, there's falsehood. Listen, God's people, you don't need to lie. You need to be honest. You need to belong and belong exactly as you are. You don't need to lie, right? 
As far as I'm concerned, you walk into this place, you could be a murderer. God used Saul, who was a murderer. He became Paul. You don't need to lie. Just be you. Nobody needs a version of you. Just be you. But people tend to want to lie, puff themselves up, act like something that they're not. And it it becomes a norm for a lot of people. We don't need that. You don't need that. Faithlessness to each other had happened widespread, and I know it comes from top down. Be better than some of our medias and politicians that you can literally see them covering their lies as they're talking. And you're like, just be honest. But they're not. They can't. They have no ability to be honest. And these are the leaders of our country. Hey, this country is used to liars. Christians, I'm speaking to you. Don't lie. Don't bear false witness. Be honest. Don't play pretend religion. Who cares? You're not getting a trophy anyways. We're either going to heaven or hell, guys, one way or another. Just be you. But he he addresses that. So we get lied to openly, daily. Parties literally sit in hearings after hearing, calling each other liars. Every single time I watch the hearing, you can't even get through the hearing because they're just like, lie, 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 lie. Remember that morality conversation that I had with you? What's the standard of morality? That's why the Bible makes so much sense. This country was founded on biblical thoughts. I'm not saying it's a Christian nation. It was founded on biblical thoughts and morality. Ten Commandments meant something in this country. And look where we are now. What have we turned our back from? God. And where are we going? Nowhere good. (laughs) So... My question to you is this, all the lying, has it rubbed off on you? Are you dishonest? Is it normal to just fib a little bit to get people to think something different? Don't. Amongst God's people, we just need to be honest people. We don't want to be known as a church with liars. Be honest people. Just your yes be yes, your no be no. Don't play pretend. It gets you nowhere. Just, just be you, and it's enough. For you just to be you, it's enough. Amen? I don't know why this happens, but he's stressing it. Malachi's stressing it. I'm addressing it, saying to us something. Verses 11 through 12 says this. Malachi gets specific about the area of marriage to unbelievers. The men were pursuing marrying women who were not believers in the one true God, a huge stumbling block in the eyes of God throughout Scripture. Just to be clear, the New Testament says this too, 2 Corinthians 6, 14. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with with lawlessness? And what fellowship has light with darkness? Again, I don't have time to discuss every dimension of the subject. I am not acknowledging today those already married to unbelievers for time's sake. I don't have enough time for that. But for those not yet married, do not marry an unbeliever. Am I clear? 
Don't marry someone who doesn't believe what you believe, okay? You're setting your family up, you're setting yourself up for a lot of trauma because the most fundamental thing that you hold on to, they don't believe. How do you raise a child in the right way when you fundamentally disagree? You, you can't. So I, I, listen, it's uncomfortable to say, but I'm saying it. We can't marry unbelievers. The whole reason why God has a problem with that, people misunderstand the Old Testament. It's not about race. It's about religion. God's trying to protect his people. And he's saying, don't marry an unbeliever who worships another God. It will lead you astray. You will be in a compromising position. Just get it right from the beginning. Pursue somebody. I mean, I have a daughter. Pursue a godly man who will love you, serve you, be committed to you. Look at the same Bible as you as the standard of what it looks like to follow him. I don't want my daughter going down any other way. The word of God needs to lead my family, needs to lead her. I don't want some man just feeling like I'm going to do whatever I want. No. Here's what God's word says. Our grandpa is going to get involved. (laughs) I don't know what to tell you. But we need to not marry unyoked. Again, I'm not speaking to those who are already married unyoked, okay? I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm just trying to have a conversation based on God's word. God has a problem with the marrying people who are not believers. And he's saying, don't. It's real simple. Don't. I don't need to do a lot of explanation. Guys, simple command. Don't. Find someone who's a believer. Trust God for whoever your spouse is going to be will be a believer. And they will lead you. Young ladies, lead you. Or a man who's willing to get help, to be discipled, to be the man you deserve. And by deserve, you don't deserve anything. You deserve hell. I'm just simply saying, (laughs) a man who will give you what you need, be there for you, support you. What I love about the Bible is I have to go back at it. I have many days that I am a failure in many ways. And the Bible is a standard of truth in my home. And I have to go back to it. And I have to be convinced, God, I got selfish. Sorry. It's beautiful to have a standard to stand on. And the Bible is that for me. But I'm like a really hardcore Bible-believing pastor. So that's where I go. That being said, trust God to help you find the right person to build a life with that honors God like you are attempting to do so. And raise your family with God at the center. To be honest, this command throughout Scripture is straightforward. Thank you for listening to the FBC Victoria podcast. Check us out online at fbcvictoria.org. There you can learn more about us, watch our archive sermons, or watch our sermons live Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. Central Time. Again, that's fbcvictoria.org.